You know, Christy, I'm never not astonished, so to say that positively. I am always <laughs> astonished by how every single thing in the world has something to teach me. Hello, and welcome to Emerging Form. I'm Christy Ashwanden. And I'm Rosemary Watola Tromer. And this is a podcast on creative process. Hi, Christy. Hey, Rosemary. I am so excited about this episode because it is all about you and your new book. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm excited too. And to be honest, I've been nervous about it all day. <laughs> Why? Why are you nervous? It's fantastic. I, There's I nothing to be nervous about. Right? I don't know. I don't know. We'll just find out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm still, every time I think of the title, I just laugh at myself because you had told me the title. I knew the title, just to to be very clear. But then you call me one day and you said, Christy, I'm so excited. I finished all the honey. And I just thought, oh, my God, she's on a sugar high. (laughs) No wonder she's so exuberant. And then I realized, oh, wait, that's the book. (laughs) That's awesome. That's right. That's that's right. I finished all the honey. That reminds me. Maybe we even had this conversation before about I, I finished all the frusenglaja. Oh, right. That's right. I forgot we did have that conversation. Okay, then. Oh. Children of the, uh, what would that be, 70s? Yeah. Yeah, 80s. Um, so let's start. Rosemary, can you just talk about how this project came together? What was its genesis? Mm-hmm. Well, You know, I got a call from the fabulous publishers, Stephen Nightingale and Elizabeth Dilley. Stephen called me last February, so in February of 2022. And Mm -hmm. he said, uh, hey, we'd love to do your next book with Samara Press. And I was Mm -hmm. like, wow. So I I had a a phone call then or Zoom with him and Elizabeth Dilley, his partner, and We had some conversations about what that book might actually look like, and I was pretty sure that it would be something that was like about falling in love with the world. And Mm -hmm. I said, you know, I have a lot of grief poems lately, and I don't think I'm ready yet to Mm -hmm. do a book just about grief. And they said, well, how about you do a book that's all of it? And I said, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't imagine it, Christy. I really Mm -hmm. couldn't. Uh, it just seemed too un- unlikely that the kind of the frivolousness and the even goofiness and, and ridiculous joy of some of the poems that I'd imagined in the book could ever go alongside with some of the poems that were about meeting Finn's death, which mm-hmm. was the most devastating chapter of my life in continuingly. Mm-hmm. And so... I told them I would think about it, which in my own mind meant no. (laughs) But a couple of weeks later, I had this moment where I had a vision that my father, who died just a few months after Finn did, that my father and Finn carved into my bedroom wall these words in all caps. They carved in, we love you. And then beneath it, they wrote, all the honey. And instantly I knew that they had given me the title for the book. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know what it meant. 
And as, at some point, perhaps I will start to be more comfortable and not feel like I need to make this disclaimer, but I still feel the need to say, I don't usually have visions. Like this isn't a normal occurrence <laughs> uh-huh. for me. Yeah. Um, right. But at the same time, like I write in the introduction, I'm not going to pretend it didn't happen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. too. So Eric and I went Nordic skiing that day through the woods and... All day I thought, what does that mean? All the honey, all the honey, all the honey. Mm -hmm. And it came to me that all the honey that has ever been made came from the sweetness of the nectar and from the bitterness of the pollen. And that's what feeds the bees. And Mm -hmm. that that was what I was meant to do in this book, was to bring it all together, to Mm -hmm. let this be a book that met the extremes of joy and sorrow. And right. that's what we're asked to do as human beings, right? That that's all of it. Yeah. The good and the bad, the sweet and the, the bitter. That's what it is to be alive. Yeah. Not, not to get to face it in little chunks. No. Um, but to meet it all. <laughs> oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. And, and so I called them up right away and I was like, uh, yeah, you were right. You did. <laughs> You were right. That's that is exactly what I think should happen. And you know, you mm-hmm. and I had this conversation earlier, Christy, that it occurred to me I I don't want to be yeah. like a spokesperson for grief. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mm-hmm. even so that's so much of what's up for me right now. Yeah, I, I remember so distinctly shortly after Finn died, so many people were reaching out to me and asking, you know what could they do for you? And, and, you know, how could they help? And I just remember having this really strong sense of, oh, I don't want everyone to just think, oh, this is the woman who lost her son. That, yes, you were that and you were going through that, but it it couldn't. There's a lot more than that, too. It couldn't be only that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so essential. It's an essential part of me. And mm-hmm. even though it changes everything. Yeah. Uh it's also not the only thing. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the book, which I loved. I, I read I read it in one sitting, and then the next next day I went back and I, I reread and sort of looked over it again. And um, one of the things that really struck me is that I really like the pacing and the structure of the book. So it's it's divided into four main sections. And, you know, the, there's just, as you said, there's a mix. There are so many poems about grief, but there are also poems about joy and happy things, too. How do you go about structuring a book of poetry? How do you figure out, you know, which to, which poems to include, first of all, and then how to order them? Mm-hmm. That's a great question, and it's big, and there's a lot that goes into this <laughs> <Yeah>. answer. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I want to say just off the bat too, this is an interesting thing to me that's a little aside from your point, but it speaks to something you just said. I think if I went through the book and counted how many poems are written after Finn's death and how many before, maybe only a quarter of the poems are about grief or less. But I think that so many people responded with lots of uh Mm-hmm. Like that's what they pulled. Mm-hmm. They, that's mostly what they took away from it, which shocked me a little bit. But I've come to understand that grief is a very strong flavor, yeah, and that you don't you don't need a lot for <laughs> it to feel like it it permeates everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, that was an interesting thing that I don't think I knew mm-hmm. when I put the poems together uh, in my mind. Mm-hmm. The grief was a much smaller. 
fraction than than what it seems like other people Mm -hmm. are taking away. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was one thing to have that elation of, oh, yeah, I'm going to put it all in one book. (laughs) And it was quite another to be like, and how do you do that? Right. Uh, You know, I think that there's so many ways to do it right. Um, Typically, what I do is I take all the poems that I think I might use. And how do I do that? Even, you know, this book didn't have a a real theme except all Mm -hmm. the honey. Uh So I was just looking at, okay, it was kind of intuitive. And truly, I had thousands thousands oh, of I poems yeah. to choose from, like 2,000. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just went through and I just, well, this is an intuitive thing, I suppose. I was like, let them speak to me. And if they said, mm-hmm. yes, choose me, and then I I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so I then printed them out and I laid them all out all over the mm-hmm. room. That's what I do. I, I spread them out all over the room and I just kind of walk around them and I mm-hmm. and notice them and notice what their themes are. I often write on them, you know, maybe what a theme is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and if maybe even content. So like trees and gratitude mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. So that I can just see little things that way. Well, nothing was really working. What was I going to do? Like put all the sad poems together and put all the happy poems together. <laughs> right. And that didn't feel very yeah. satisfying. And isn't it interesting how ideas come, Christy? Mm-hmm. I had been having a conversation with my most fabulous life coach, Rebecca Mullen, and we were talking about a model for change mm-hmm. and it had four steps. And I remember thinking to myself after we talked about it, maybe a week or two weeks later, I thought, I wonder, would that work? Could I take those four steps mm-hmm. for how change you know, shows up? How, you know, what are all the stages? And what if I just put the f- poems in those four piles and see what mm-hmm. happens? And the poems really beautifully, magically sifted themselves almost completely evenly into the four piles. And, and the, these aren't very elegant descriptors, but basically it was the before the genesis even of the idea, that kind of amorphous mm-hmm. space, and then kind of coming with plans. Mm-hmm. And then following through with those plans Mm -hmm. and then looking back and saying, oh, that's what happened and Mm -hmm. kind of reaping the rewards or or (laughs) lack of rewards from what you've done. So those were the four steps. And it was so beautiful how they just laid themselves out that way. And it felt like a gorgeous energetic container then Mm -hmm. that created this kind of gentle arc that allowed the poems to be very side by side in terms of content that seemed maybe very different from each other, Mm. but energetically, I think they felt the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. And they really, you know, they sort of unfurl in a really nice and satisfying way in the book. I really, I really like that. And it's, it's one of those things that I feel like when it works, it it really works. It is maybe a little bit invisible, the work that went into it. If it doesn't work, that really is going to show up, right? (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Yeah, I think it would be very invisible. I don't think anyone without me saying so would be able to look at the poems and say, oh, that's that's a change arc. Um, Right. But there's something else kind of funny about this, Christy. Uh I hate the number four. Like, I really, oh, interesting. I, I hate uh-huh. it. Like, I really despise how stable <laughs> it is. <laughs> it just kind of pisses me off. And it's like a box. It's like a yeah. box. It's, it, you know, four line poems kind of. I'm like, Meh, mm. that's so stodgy. Um, mm-hmm. 
I love three and I love five. However, four was Finn's favorite number. So I kind of loved then that it felt like this little invisible homage to Finn that it was his favorite mm-hmm. number. But then I don't know if you noticed that at the beginning of each of the four chapters, I put three, three line poems. So I like. I did notice <laughs> yeah. that. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. So you I sort of balanced it out. <laughs> I, I threeified it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, made it possible for me. That's great. Hey, thanks for listening to Emerging Form. If you're a paid subscriber, you'll get a special bonus episode next week. And if you're not a paid subscriber yet, now is your chance. Go to emergingform.substack.com to become a paid subscriber and you will get access to all our bonus episodes. You'll also get the warm feeling of knowing that you're helping us to make this podcast sustainable. Thank you. Rosemary, I've noticed that not only in this book, but just in general, many of your poems have epigraphs. Is that the right term? That is the right term. Yeah. Okay. Um, can you talk a little bit about when and why you start a poem that way? Mm. Oh, yeah, I sure can. Um, I think a couple of things come to mind. There's so many right answers. One of them is that you saw that line and it's what created the poem. You know, the poem kind of mm-hmm. leapt out of it. So that's a reason to put it there just because it was the genesis or foundation for the poem. Mm -hmm. Another reason to do that is because you write the poem and then you find this quote and you think, oh my goodness, those two things are really having a very interesting conversation. Mm. That's another reason. Uh And another reason would be if I actually used one of those lines or something from that poet or poem or essay in the poem itself, that would be a way to honor the poet Mm -hmm. who had originated that line. And usually if that happens, then in the poem itself, you'll see the lines themselves um, in italics to show Mm -hmm. these these are the lines that came from that that poem or that poet. That you stole. That I stole. That I transformed. Yeah. All great artists (laughs) stealing, right? Isn't that the same? Constant stealing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to talk. Let's talk about some of the poems. And I, I let's start with the chair poem. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And I know there's a fun little story that goes with that. <laughs> um, should I read it? Sure. So this poem is called "Circumventing the Busy Self," and uh, I think it's going to be pretty obvious right away why, why, <laughs> where the poem came from. Circumventing the busy self. What I need tonight is a chair. The big upholstered kind that sighs when I sit into it. The kind that holds me the way I used to imagine a cloud would hold me. Downy, cozy, comfy, secure, and filled with light. I need a chair that will make me not want to get up to do whatever important thing I think I must do. Why do I always think I need to do something? Why is it so hard to just sit? So I guess what I really need is a chair and a seatbelt, the kind they have on helicopters with five straps that meet in the center, though I think those are self-release. And we all know I will soon feel driven to rise and rush, no matter how cumulonimbus-ish that chair might feel, no matter how insistent the straps. So tonight what I really need is a soft chair and a five-strap seatbelt, and a giant weighted blanket. Not heavy enough to crush me, but one with enough gravity that being still feels like the only real choice. And if I am still, 
very still, and not accomplishing anything for a while. Then perhaps I will meet this grief I am escaping. Not that I am trying to escape it on purpose. It's just there is so much important stuff to do. And perhaps, let's say I've noticed it when I just sit. Just sit. With nothing to read and nothing to do, the grief sits with me and asks nothing of me except that I meet it. In that moment, I remember turning toward grief is what I most want to do. In that moment, there is nothing on any to-do list that could deter me from meeting this grief. Oh, world. I remember. I remember right now. So, please. What I need most tonight, it doesn't matter how soft, how threadbare, is a chair. Hmm. Love it. That is so lovely and so full. There's there's so much in that poem. Yeah, isn't it interesting how resistance works, right? How and and yeah. even if I'm so sure I don't want to resist, I still will resist. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah, I'll just I'll just go do this other <laughs> thing. I'll just go do instead of just sitting and feeling. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. I mean, of course yeah. things need to be done too. But I think there is a way that we can do and do and do as a way of avoiding feeling. There is that. Which is, I guess, what this poem was about was, Mm -hmm. yeah, because once I sit down and start feeling into it and feeling into it, Mm -hmm. like the poem says, there is nothing that would stop me from doing that. I'm so grateful to be there. Right. Uh, Even when it hurts terribly, right? But just to be able to sit and Mm -hmm. touch the truth. Yeah. But there's also kind of a fear too. You can't stop, right? Like once once you're in that, you can't. It's hard to get up. <laughs> Maybe, sweet friend. I don't. I really only felt that once. It, with you, by the way, I called you. Remember, I was terrified. I couldn't stop. Uh, I do. I, I had do. a panic attack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But besides that, when it because every other time it had calmed down. Right, I, I guess I never felt like it would go on forever, that I couldn't meet it. Mm-hmm. It was only terrifying that once where I thought, mm-hmm. "Why isn't this? <laughs> why is this escalating?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then let's talk about the mini chair. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> do you know, Christy, that I have been met with so much kindness and support through this whole difficult time. Mm -hmm. And one reader, when that poem came out, a few days later in the mail, I get this package and in the package is a little chair. It's the sweetest little floral (laughs) chair. It's it's this sweet little upholstered dollhouse chair, you know, (laughs) with a pillow. (laughs) And for, for months, I would set it beside me as I was working. It would be right there beside me and it would Mm -hmm. remind me, stop, feel, just get, get in the chair metaphorically, right? Just be, just feel, just feel. It's still sitting on my counter to this day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. It's it's so cute. (laughs) Yeah. I was so grateful for that. 
yeah. So, Rosemary, so many of your poems are about doing ordinary things, and yet they always seem to transcend the ordinary. I'm thinking in particular here about the poem in this book about planting onion sets. Oh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that poem and, and what it means to you. So this particular poem, Allium, is, is a noticing of, I suppose, the, the similarities between what happens in the outside world and what happens in the inner world, mm-hmm. which is to say how our actions, whatever we're doing, washing the dishes or getting dressed or mowing the lawn, or in this case, planting onion sets, um, how it has so much to do with the permissions, the revelations of our inner life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I particularly love, by the way, Gerard Manley Hopkins has a word that sounds like landscape. Landscape would be what's happening outside of us, but he calls it inscape, which is basically our inner landscape. Mm. And the inscape is what makes us ourselves. Mm-hmm. And in this particular poem, mm-hmm. I am learning how much I am like uh, a, a, an onion start, right? How slow, how slow this all goes. <laughs> it's a very slow practice. Uh-huh. Um, it's something that it seems very small in the beginning, but it grows into something nourishing. Um, and it's, it, you know, Christy, I'm never not astonished so to say that positively, I am always <laughs> astonished by how every single thing in the world has something to teach me. And that is my practice. I know we've talked mm-hmm. about this before. This is the question that I ask yeah. everything. Yeah. What do you have to teach me? Mm-hmm. And, and, and even when something doesn't suggest an answer, that's just as interesting as an answer, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Why did the bird nest refuse to teach me something, right? What's in that, what's in it for me, you know, <laughs> knowing I'm longing for something from the bird nest and it, and it won't give it up. <laughs> so, you know, it's, but it, for me, it's also always the sense of what's real, what's really here, what's really here. So I, I kind of wait, mm-hmm. you know, I'm willing to sit and wait for a long time. Sometimes it suggests itself right away. Oh, this, you know, start slow you know (laughs) and sometimes it's it's a little less obvious and I have to wait for it wait for it but oh then but that's (laughs) I feel like that's one of the ways that surprise and revelation enter into a poem right is that willingness to go to anything especially things we think oh it probably doesn't have a thing to teach me right oh well yes it does and then Mm -hmm. and then there's always that room for oh oh oh, epiphany you know (laughs) there it is there it is so I also noticed that it feels like there's a lot of emerging form in this book. Um, <laughs> there are multiple guests that are mentioned. There's, I know we've talked on the show before about the spatula poem that kind of started from a challenge <laughs> I gave you. I can't remember now. Did I say you could write a poem about anything, even a spatula oh, or was, something? I think it was the you? opposite. You said you can't write a poem about a spatula. And so and you so did. And so I did, yes. <laughs> and it's a really good one, too. <laughs> um, but I, I think my very favorite uh, instance of emerging form showing up in this is um, the poem about the time when your audio recording failed and you had to go back and re-record your track. And part of that, well, you can you can tell the rest of the story. <laughs> well, the, then the audio engineer, hello, Leah. Um, and she says, um, Rosemary, you know, would you please go back? 
and um, I had to re-record the entire episode, everything that I said, <laughs> because my audio hadn't worked. So I had to just go back in and record myself saying everything that I might have said in that little space, including I had to create a laugh track. And at the, so at the <laughs> end, after I'd kind of painstakingly gone in and tried to say whatever I might have originally said, uh, then I just sat there in the cl- in the closet, friends. I sit in my closet. That's where I record. And I'm sitting in here and I'm just like, <laughs> and I just start laughing and laughing and laughing <laughs> until finally I couldn't stop laughing. Um, and, and the poem, of course, rose out of that very strange assignment from Leah. <laughs> so much fun. So much fun. I'll definitely read that in the bonus episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. So next week, those of you who are uh, paid subscribers will get to hear Rosemary <laughs> reading a selection of poems from this book. And uh, we're also going to put in the show notes a link to where you can order your own copy, uh, which you should do because it's fabulous and uh, makes a nice gift. Um, if you're looking for something to share with a friend. Um, Rosemary, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Oh, sweet Christy. Thank you, friend. Thanks for inviting me to talk about this. Enjoy. Yeah. I love you. You too. You've been listening to Emerging Form. This is Rosemary Watola-Tromer, and my co-host is science writer Christy Ashwanden. Our fabulous audio producer is Leah Shaw. Our music is created and performed by Kira Kopostansky and edited by Leah Shaw. Kate LaRue designed our logo. Jack Mueller, of course, inspired our work and the name of this podcast. As he always said, you must obey the poem's emerging form. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Emerging Form. Did you know that for just a few bucks a month, you can become a paid subscriber and get bonus episodes every other week? Go to emergingform.substack.com to sign up. And if you really want to help us out, leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening.